0: You're listening to the Sunday sermon from Cardington Church of the Nazarene in Cardington, Ohio. If you need prayer, encouragement, or support, please don't hesitate to reach out. As always, our website and email are in the show notes. We serve a great God, and it's my hope that he speaks to you through the sermon today. Well, I like to tell stories all the time, pretty much, but that's kind of, so I hope that, I hope you guys like listening to stories, because that's, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop uh, telling them, but, uh, so I like, I hope you like to listen, but I have a story for you today, and and it's a story from our time in Colorado, and uh, I, Kirsten and I were talking this past week, actually, about how, um, it's really like, it's a cool thing to be able to say well, where did you come from? Oh, we, we moved from Colorado. And we didn't, we didn't grow up there, right? But we, people don't have to know that. You just say like, oh, yeah, we, we lived in Colorado, and then we moved here. It's cool. It's a cool place to be associated with, right? Um, and, but we actually were just talking this week about how I'm having a little bit of like an identity crisis because we've now lived in Ohio longer than we lived in Colorado. And uh, not to say that I love Ohio, okay? Wait, yeah, I know. I'm happy about it. I love Ohio. I think it's great. We love living in Cardington just doesn't quite roll off the tongue like Colorado did though you know what I mean like where are you from oh from Colorado yeah it's cool it's pretty cool mountains stuff you know but this is a story from our time in Colorado and when we lived there we got into the things that you get into when you live in Colorado not all of them but some of them right and everywhere we've gone we've kind of tried to assimilate into the the place but in Colorado uh (laughs) that's funny (laughs) we got into hiking is what I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) because that's really funny if you really get, uh, we're not going to get into that. Um, col- hiking. Hiking is what it is, okay? Uh, and so we liked hiking. There, there's a, we, we went to the mountains, and we went to the national park, and there was all these beautiful, crazy places you could go and just experience Colorado. <laughs> I can hardly recover. That's funny. Um, and uh, so we, we went one time. Uh, my pastor took us. Uh, the pastor of the church I worked at, he took a snowshoeing. I don't know if you've ever been snowshoeing before, but what that is, is just hiking, but when there's a bunch of snow on the ground, you wear these big shoes that help you not sink in the snow, right? So it's just hiking in the winter. But we went snowshoeing, and this was a blast. Right, it was so much fun. Uh, we went to we went on the same hike that we had done in the summertime, which was really cool to be able to see it in the summer and then go on the same thing when there's a bunch of snow. And that day, if I remember right, I think there was like an 86-inch base of snow on the ground. So we're talking like six or seven feet, whatever that is, if you if you add that up, something like it's like a lot of snow, right? And you, that's why you got to wear these shoes because if you're not wearing shoes that are big, you'll just You just go right in like you just sink right in the snow it's crazy Um, and so we got to go on this hike and we went on this hike and what was cool is like I said with these shoes on you kind of just glide on top of the snow and you get to you get to see where everyone else went and so you know that's the way I go and you can even sometimes look off the edge and be like that's where you don't go like I've seen what happens when you go there right so you follow this trail and, and you end up being able to hike in different places and go different ways than you could in the summertime because the water freezes, right? And sometimes it it makes more sense in the winter to walk on a frozen lake through a valley than it does to go up on the ridge like it would in the summertime. It's really, really interesting. Um, It's great to be able to to do that, and it's really cool to be able to see from both perspectives. In fact, we took a picture on the lake that we were at in the summertime, and we actually got to stand on the lake and take the picture in the wintertime. It was really, really cool. It was a really great experience. but like I said, you kind of have to stay on the path, right? Because otherwise, you really can't tell where you're going. It's white. It's white everywhere. And if you don't know where you're going, which I didn't, and most people out there don't, especially in the snow, you just follow the path. And uh, there was one path that, that, that kind of broke off. And they were both going the same way. But one went up and around a, a tree in a corner and kind of up to this ridge. And then the other one was like someone decided they were just going to go up the hill, like the steep hill. And I thought, that could be fun. I might like to try that. So I just thought, I, other people have done it. I can probably do it. That sounds fun. So everyone else, Kirsten and my, uh, and my pastor and his wife, they went around, and we walked up. I'm like, I'll meet you up there. I'm going to go up the fun way, right? And it wasn't crazy. It was just like a hill. It wasn't, like a, it wasn't a crazy thing. It was just like a short kind of just little steep, though, right? And what I didn't know about myself as much as I do now then is that I I have asked The Joll of Snow. I have a weird center of gravity, okay? I'm not that stable on my feet sometimes, okay? I can walk, but when it comes to like, you know, treacherous uh, terrain, sometimes I'm not that stable on my feet, okay? And I learned this. I learn it the more and more. The older I grow, the more I learn. But this time, I didn't quite know it. And I go and I I run up the hill and I make it to the top. I beat everybody up there. But as soon as it got to the top, I kind of slipped and I went sideways and I fell. And when you fall, okay, remember, 86 inches of snow, poof. I just went down in the snow, like deep hole, right? And I had to figure out. First of all, it's embarrassing. I don't know how many people were watching. I'm sure there were some. But second of all, I had to figure out how to then climb out of the hole of snow, which is not that easy because where you try to climb, it's all soft snow, so it's really kind of a mess. And it just it was it was fitting that I would be in a situation like that. I figured my way out. I think someone probably pulled me out. To be honest with you, it was it was crazy, um, but. But basically, if you stay on the path that doesn't happen okay and staying on the path is is not difficult it's obvious to see you can be you can be anywhere even if it had snowed or if the, the snow had blown you can tell where the path was there's a depression where everyone had walked but but without knowing where you're going, you have to walk on that path like there is no other way to get through it you will get lost you will get hurt. The general population, even if you're a great hiker in in warm climates that doesn't mean you know how to Tell where you're going in the snow. You have to follow that path because that path will show you where to go. And, and you might not understand why it's going the ways that it's, it's going, right? It, it might go on the river, which doesn't make sense in the summer. It might go up and around a tree and you don't understand. But oftentimes when you turn around and look at the path, you can tell... I see why we went this way. Because sometimes there's stuff under the snow, right? There's rocks. Sometimes there's water that flows under that you don't even know is there until you fall through and you land on it, right? The path is the important part. You have to stay on the path. And thankfully, somebody knew what they were doing and walked on that path first. Thankfully, someone blazed that trail so we knew where to go and we knew how to walk because without it, there's no way anyone would have been able to get through it. Thankfully, someone gave us the obvious path that we had to follow. And that scripture, that comes to mind because of our scripture tomorrow. That story comes to mind because uh, we're gonna be reading in Hebrews. It talks a little bit uh, about uh, pioneering and, and things. There's, there's more things, but it's in Hebrews 2, 10 through 18. So if you would like to turn there, Hebrews 2, 10 through 18, uh, feel free to turn there. It'll be on the screen as well. And again, I will put my trust in him, and again he says, here I am, and the children God has given me. Verse 14 says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's the word of the Lord today. And this is an exciting scripture, okay? I don't know, I'm not sure, uh, based off of like, I'm not sure if you know this or not, this is an exciting scripture scripture. Whether you've heard it a thousand times, I hope you have, whether you've never heard it before, this is the gospel message of who Jesus Christ is, who God is. This is an exciting scripture, and I don't want that to be missed this morning. The sermon today is this. The point of the sermon today is this. God has a plan. God has a plan. This isn't new, and you've probably heard it before, and the scripture, right, the Bible as a whole, the story of God, the story of Jesus, everything put together is all about that plan. God has a plan. What is that plan? In the church, we call it the gospel, right? There's a, there's a kid's Bible that Kirsten and I have read a lot. We read to Wade. It's called the, the, the Jesus Storybook Bible. It calls it God's rescue plan of salvation. The whole point of everything that God has ever done is so that he could save us, so that he could love us and that we could live in his presence in his glory and be with him. That is what we were created to do. That is what relationship is supposed to be. That is the gospel, and that is what we're talking about today. God's rescue plan for salvation. What is that plan? The first thing is this. He wants to bring us into his glory. He wants all of his children, everybody, to be able to experience him. Because we were created by him to be loved by him, to experience and to be with him. That is what we were made for. That is why we were created. That doesn't mean that's what we have always done. We've obviously made mistakes, but that is why we were created, and that's what he wants for us. He wants to love us. God wants to love you. God has a plan, and you are a big, you are the plan. You are a big, important part of that plan. But God has this plan, right? This is God's mission, right? And, and, and you know from, from living in the world, people have plans, right? People have ideas and they have missions and they have goals, but that's not what matters. What matters is what they do to attain those goals, how they go about doing that, how they live their life, how they live out their purpose, right? That's what matters. This church, we've done a lot of thinking about what the mission and the vision of this church is, and that's important, and I hope everyone knows it, Right? Love God, love your village to the ends of the earth. I hope people know that, but what's important is not the mission. What's important is how we go about doing it. What's important is boots on the ground. What do we do to accomplish this mission? What is God doing to to fulfill his plan? What has God done? How is he doing it? That's what we're gonna talk about today. Know that God is working on his plan. God is always working. God has been working. He will be working, but I want you to be assured that God's working now. How did he do it? He pioneered our salvation. He blazed a trail in a place that we didn't know where to go. Just like on that mountain, on that hike, where we had no place, no idea where to go, all we have to do as Christians is follow the path that Jesus has set for us. Jesus is the author and the pioneer, the creator, the trailblazer of our salvation. Without his path, it would be impossible to get to where we're going. But all we have to do now is look in front of us and see the footsteps and follow what Jesus has done and live as Jesus lived. All we have to do is follow his example. Jesus is the example. God has given us his son. That's what God is doing. That's what God has already done. We have Jesus Christ to, uh, to be with us, to empower us, to live this with us. That's what God is doing to bring us into his glory. That's what God is doing to save us and to love us and to comfort us and give us peace. He's given us his son to live out a life for us. But how does giving us his son, how does that do it? What has Jesus done? And this is all in this scripture. That's why it's such an exciting scripture. This is all in Hebrews chapter two. Highlight it all, whatever you circle it, whatever you gotta do, this is good stuff. What has Jesus done? Well, he became like us in every way. God had his son be born as a a human, just like us. He has been like us in every way. Flesh and blood is what the Bible calls it, right? People. We're people. We have human things. He he was created in this imperfect society that humans have have, have made, right? God created it, but we've kind of made it imperfect. And he was born into that so that he could live a life just like us. So that he could go through the things that we've gone through and experience the things that we experience. He got rid of his perfect position and came down to an imperfect world. So that he could live a perfect life and be our perfect Savior. Jesus Christ is the plan. There's a quote from a commentary I was reading this week it says, Christ willingly accepts the challenges and sufferings of human life in order to release the rest of us from them forever. God has a plan. We are his plan to bring us into his glory so that we can experience his love. God wants to save us. He wants to love us. That's exciting. Like, there's people out there who don't know that. They don't know there's someone who wants them. They might not know there's anyone who wants them. But not only does God want them, the person who created them wants them. They are a part of his plan. People need to know this is what the gospel is about. God wants to save us. He wants to love us, and he wants us to be in his glory. He wants to bring all of us to himself. Well, what did Jesus coming and living a life, a human life, what did that do? Why is that so important? We hear about it in church all the time. We know Jesus was human, fully human and fully God, fully divine, fully human. We know that. What does that mean? What did that actually do? What is the importance of that? Well, the first thing is it freed us from slavery. This is all in scripture. It freed us from slavery. It freed us from the slavery of death. And as the scripture says, it freed us from the slavery of the fear of death. Jesus came and lived just like you and me so that we could have a trail to walk on so that we could follow something so that we could see how it's supposed to be done and who we are supposed to do it with and how we are supposed to do it. And he died so that we don't ever have to be scared of death. We don't have to be held in slavery by death. We don't have to be held in slavery by our fear of death because I don't know about you, but death is terrifying for me. I'm not an anxious person. I don't have thoughts that that overwhelm me very often. I don't have, I don't really struggle with that. But if I let myself think about what can happen, what might happen, that life is not given, If I let myself think about the fact that I could die at any moment, that anyone I love could die at any moment, that any of us could, it's terrifying and it's crippling. Don't be terrified and crippled because we have hope. Because of what Jesus did, because of what God did, because of his rescue plan for you and me, we don't ever have to think about the fact that death exists because life overpowers death. The life of Jesus Christ his resurrection and his power makes it so we don't ever have to fear death, ever. The Hebrews were worried about this just as much as we are worried about this. This book was written uh, by Paul, probably, it, doesn't, it was probably by Paul, to the Hebrews, right? And Paul writes a lot of letters to a lot of different people, and he writes them in a lot of different scenarios, but the reason he always writes these letters is because he's writing to a group of people who, for some reason, have gotten confused for some reason, for some reason, have forgotten who God is to them. And he wants them to know that, look, the stuff you believed, the guy who was with you, the the person who was here is still with us. Everything he did is still true. Everything he said he would do is still true. Hold on to it. Don't forget it. Live it out because it's real. Don't get lost in the world. Don't get sucked up by everything going on. This is real. This is what you have to focus on. That's why Paul wrote pretty much every letter and the Hebrews is no different. He's writing this, right? He's telling them not to worry about their fear of death because they were scared. People around them were dying. Their friends and their family were probably dying and they didn't know what to do and they didn't know, well, I thought God was with me. I thought the guy I believed in, the person I knew, I thought he was with me. I'm scared of death. And Paul knew this and he wanted them to know that, look, I understand where you're coming from because if, if you take Jesus out of the equation, you should be terrified of death. But you don't have to be because he has conquered it for you. He has taken it over for you. You get to live with him forever. He offers life, even in the midst of our earthly death. Do not be held in slavery by your fear of death. He freed us from slavery. He wants to bring us into his glory. God's rescue plan for salvation is that he would love us and be with us and bring up us to himself. And he did that by sending Jesus, his only son, who got to live a perfect life, a life just like ours. But he gave us the example, right? Because he had the power of God in him, and he was able to live and and, and live and, and triumph over the evils of this world and live a perfect, sinless life so that he could die and suffer so that we never had to. This is the gospel. It freed us from our slavery, of death, of our fear of death of shame and, and, and sin. It freed us from our slavery, but it also is so that he could be a great high priest. And this is a little bit one of those things that doesn't translate as well to us because we don't, we don't talk about the high priest. We don't have that. It's not a thing we have in our, in Christianity. That's not a thing we have. But back in Hebrews, uh, the people, the Jewish folks, they had uh, what was called a high priest. And basically what a high priest was was the, the, the head religious person right? They were like the pastor of all the pastors. They were the boss. They were the people who, who had to keep everyone in line. They had to keep uh, accountability with the, the, the priests and, and all the priesthood underneath them. They had to make sure the church was running as it should. They had to be a political leader almost. They had a lot of power when it came to the people around them. Everyone knew that's the high priest. You had to be born into it. You couldn't just apply to be one. You had to, you had to be born into it. You were chosen, you were handpicked. This was something uh, that, that was important in the church. And then you had to do sacrifices and rituals and and, and atone for the sins of the people and the sins of yourself. You were the only person who was allowed in this one room in the temple. They call it the Holy of Holies. You, the the high priest, the only person allowed to ever go in, and he could only ever go in one day a year on the celebration of atonement where he was to do uh, these things, right? That's how it worked. And the high priest, everyone knows what a high priest is. That's why Paul's talking about this. I know what a high priest is. He says, I know what it is. You know what it is. Jesus the guy who's perfectly human, the guy who came down, a part of God. He he, he is God. He's going to be the best high priest. He is the best, most greatest high priest you could ever imagine. Because unlike any that we've ever had before, he was born just like you, And experienced everything just like you. And he still made the decisions that he was supposed to make. He he is now the one who atones for the sins of the people. He's the one who who sacrificed himself. Jesus is the perfect high priest. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have one, a high priest, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us approach, then, the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have a God who has lived a life, the same life that we live. He has gone through the things that we have gone through. And when it says he was tempted in every way, that that means that just like we are tempted... Think about the things in your own mind. Just as you are tempted, so was he. We read the stories in the Gospels of, of Jesus being tempted by the devil in the desert, right? And that happened. Make the stones bread if you're hungry. Jump off of here and be saved if you want to show your power, right? That happened. That was in the, in the Gospels. That's true. But what we don't hear about is the internal struggle that Jesus had with temptation. Jesus was tempted in every way, not just in the ways of the devil and the gospel, but in every way, just as you and I are, yet he overpowered it. He was without sin. He lived under the power of God. He had the power of the Holy Spirit in his life and he overcame it so that we could have a perfect example of how to do it ourselves. So that all we had to do was walk in the path he made. He's perfect, without sin. This is a gospel gospel. There are people who don't know that they have an easy answer for this. For all the problems they've ever had. And no, the the earthly problems won't go away. The the, the people dying, it's not going to go away. The bad things that happen in their life, the family who treats them wrong, it's not going to go away. But they don't know that they have an easy answer for hope and love and life and comfort. This is why the gospel is exciting. This is what we should be thinking about I know we all know it. I know we've all heard it. It's probably not new to you, but it's new to somebody. Maybe you need it refreshed in you today. Just know God loves you, He's pursuing you. His plan is you. He wants you. He wants to bring you to Himself. He wants you to experience His love. There are people out there who don't know that. This is God's rescue plan for salvation. He freed us from slavery. He is the best, the greatest, the all time high priest. And he did it so he could save us. And if we look at Jesus' example, this perfect example that we have, it's comforting because Jesus didn't have to do it alone. He didn't have to do it by himself because he always had the power of God with him. So do we. Since Jesus came, since he lived, since he died, since he rose again, we get the, the Holy Spirit, the, the actual full power, the fullness of who God is. We get that in our lives. So not only can we see what Jesus has done for us, we can live as Jesus lived because we have the same, the same power. The same spirit, the same presence lives in us. All you got to do is, is ask for it. All we have to do is ask, and it's there. The same power that, that, had, that allowed Jesus to live that perfect life, to overcome death, that's the power that lives in us. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that, that got him out of death. It's there for us. It's the same power. <coughs> this week, I feel like, I'm not an, an emotional person, really. I cry during movies. I don't think that's emotional. I, it's not. It's not. It's just tenderness. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not an emotional person, really, okay? I don't cry, I don't cry much. But sometimes I get... I, sometimes life gets overwhelming. And, and it happens to everyone. It's not just to me. And uh, I also don't want to... Wade hasn't been sleeping very well. He's, he is for, he has been for a few days now, but before that, he hasn't been sleeping very well. And I also want, I wanted to say this up front, this is much worse for Kirsten than it is for me. I just get a little, I was talking to Stan about this this morning, I get crankier uh, when I sleep less, right? She can handle it better than I can. But, but still, the more that it happens, the more that I get woken up, the more, uh, I think, I always think, I have the power to get through this. I'll, I'll, <laughs> this sounds stupid, right? I'm always, I always think like, he, he, he's, he's not going to wake up. And then I, the moment I lay in bed and I put my head down, I close my eyes, he cries. I'm like, oh, my And Kirsten was sick this week. She had strep throat. She doesn't anymore. That's why she's here. <laughs> but she was sick this week. <clears throat> and so there was a few days, three days probably, where I was just like, you just need to go to sleep and I'll take care of it. That was a mistake. <laughs> but that's what I said. And even then, she still helped me. Praise God. But I, th- I would lay him, lay him down, and he would fall asleep. And I'd say, oh, good, good. I can finally go to sleep. And I'd lay in bed, and I'd put my head on the pillow, and he'd scream, and I'd open my eyes and say, I can't believe this is happening again. And it would just happen, and it would keep happening. And, and, and life had already been kind of overwhelming. And I laid him down, and he fell asleep, and I went downstairs to the bathroom, because that way I thought if he cried, I wouldn't hear him. And it's just like he didn't wake up. And I, was, I think I was crying. I don't know. I did not even told Kirsten this story. I don't know. So I, I should have told her, I guess, but she's hearing it now. And... And I was standing in the bathroom. I just said, God, I don't think I'm cut out for this. And I didn't mean parenthood. I didn't mean pastoring. I didn't mean life. I just, it just felt in the moment, like I'm not cut out for this. I can't do this. And there's no audible voice. I didn't get an audible. I didn't get to hear him talk out loud. But clearly, it's real, okay? He said to me, you're not cut out for this. I am, but I'm there, and it's like, okay. <laughs> and I know it started out. I'm talking about Wade crying, and I can't handle it, right? It's but it's like things are things are real in our lives. These are the things that we actually go through. Happens to you too. We're not cut out for it. We're not cut out to live a perfect life. No way. not cut out to be nice to the people who are not nice to us. And that's putting it mildly, right? We're not cut out to do any of the things that we're called to do. But he is. And we have him. All of it. God's got a plan. He wants to bring you to himself. That's the gospel. Don't forget that. And don't keep it to yourself. Will you pray with me? God, we love you, and we're thankful that you give us the power to get through things that feels like we can't get through, and we're thankful that you've given us this perfect path to follow, and while it might not feel perfect or seem perfect, God, we pray that, that we would always be able to see that path. And we're thankful that it's there. We're thankful that we have this example of what it's like to live a holy life, what it's like to live a life following the Spirit of God. And I just pray, God, that, that we would be filled with your Spirit today. And God, I pray that if there's anyone in here who's never heard that, that it's for them, who's never heard that you're for them, that you are, 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 are planning on them being with you, God, I pray that, that they would not leave this place without talking to you about it. God, we're thankful for the gospel. We're thankful for your plan. We're thankful for your rescue plan, for your love and your hope and your life. God, we pray today, even in the midst of our loss and our grief and our anger and our sorrow, that we would feel your comfort and your love and your life. We love you.